You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Amen. You may be seated. So glad to have you. If you're visiting, welcome. My name is uh, Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so excited to have you. At the end of the service, uh, our uh, director of ministry operations, Elliot, will come on stage and let you know how to get connected and fill out a connect card, and we have a gift for you. So we're so excited that you're here. Before we start the message, I just want to kind of cover a few announcements. First, I don't know if you knew this, but it was a very exciting day in the town of Blanchester. I don't know if you know this, uh, but uh, we kind of uh, welcomed officially our brand new chief of police. And um, uh, look up at the banner on the right. Do you see something? See Elevation Community Church logo? Yeah, you had a hand, believe it or not, or not. Wow, for a church to invest in a police department, that's kind of unheard of. And we are ministering and being light. And so when you give, we, out of the tithe that we get every year, we, we tithe as a church the offering 10% to go into the local community, to go into ministries, and to go into global ministries. So would you applaud yourselves and God for what he's doing? I'm actually going to try to get Chief Houghton to come some Sunday so you can hear from him and we can surround him and pray for him. So we're so excited. Uh, A couple other things, speaking of investment and giving, uh, how many of you really, really know that really our investment as a church is not necessarily on us, but the generation behind us? Do you agree? The generation behind us. And so our next generation is so important. And our directors, Tiffany Wiss and her husband, Jeff, have been pouring so much time and so much energy into the youth. And so this summer, there are two really big events happening spiritually in the lives of our next gen. And we want to rally and support around them. The first one is our uh, rush camp, our rush camp. Can we go to that slide? I think we have it. If not, it's okay. Um, A rush camp. And so, uh, is it there? It's not there. I'm such a loser. Uh, (laughs) It's my fault. No, I'm kidding. Don't speak that, right? Don't speak that. That's right, Pam. Uh, Anyways, uh, can you just black that slide out so I'm not distracted? Uh, There it is. Let's give it up for Ernie. What would I do without my tech team? Rush Camp. And so, what we're doing for Rush Camp is we do, every year, we do a wiffle ball turning, a wiffle ball tournament. And uh, this raises money to really help uh, each team. Tiffany's going to be in the back lobby in the Welcome Center today. Uh, you can sign up, uh, and maybe you don't have it at the sign-up area. Here's the other thing. If you have the plan, uh, excuse me, church planning we- uh, phone app, if you have the church center phone app, you for your registration right there. Take care of it. Don't even need to stop at the Welcome Center, and you can go on with your day. The other item is our missions trip. This is a, a, about a month after Rush Camp, which is awesome because now that the kids are jazzed and uh, them and sending them out, right, Tiffany? And so this is big. Part of a missions trip is that help, and how you can help is if is you pay them for the project. Much better is that your spring. Just I want to pray for Tiffany and Jeff. I want to pray for Michael, our bridge middle school director, kids director. And I want to pray for our kids. God, thank you that you are God and we are not. Man, what a mess life would be if we were in control. And so we give you control. We give you these kids all 20-plus, maybe even 30-plus kids who will be entering Camp Chautauqua this June. I pray for a Holy Spirit encounter with them, God. 
I pray that lives would be changed never to go back to the same. I pray that you would be with the 20-some, I believe, kids who have said yes to this missions trip, who are going to be serving the needy, serving the homeless, witnessing to people who need hope of Jesus. And we just ask, God, that you would do what only you can do in this next generation. Build them up. And I pray a protection over Jeff and Tiffany, God, and over their family. We know the enemy does not like what's happening. But we also know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And Satan himself already knows he's defeated at the cross. And so we plead that victory of the cross over Jeff and Tiffany and all the teams who are going to be participating in Rush Camp and the missions trip. And we give it all to you, King Jesus. Be with our kids in E-Kids right now. As parents, we know parenting is hard. And we don't have all the answers, but you do, Jesus. And so we look to you. Holy Spirit, I, I, I just want to step away from the pulpit and let you speak. I don't, I'm just, I, I, I'm not sufficient to have the words to say, but you are, Holy Spirit. And I literally bow my heart. I bow myself. I surrender myself to you, God. You know what I'm going through? You know what every single person is going through. And you are right there in the valley, in the darkest cave, and in the highest mountaintop. And so teach us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to encourage you to get a Bible in your hands. If you didn't bring one, uh, we have this wonderful handy thing called the phone. I understand that some of us don't have service in here. There are Bibles in the back of the Welcome Center. Uh, any ushers in the back? I would even love for some ushers to grab some Bibles. Today, we're literally going to be in the Bible. Second Chronicles, you can turn there now. We're not leaving Second Chronicles. And I really want to teach you today from the Word of God. I want to teach you not just by looking at the screen, but I want you to get into the Word yourself. I want you to see the words. And if it's your Bible, I want you to underline the words that God is speaking to you. And so if you need a Bible right now, we have a couple ushers. Just raise your hand. Seriously, it's okay. There's, there, there is no shame in not having your Bible here. If you don't have a Bible, these are for you. Take them home, make them yours, write your name on it, and start reading it. It will change your life. I think I'm not alone in saying that life is filled with battles. Jesus promised it. He said, in this life, you will have many trials, heartaches, and battles. I think I'm correct in saying that many of you have been through some really rough, treacherous, scary battles in your life. If that's you, raise your hand. Hopefully all of us, because I think we all have been through battles, right? Whether it's sickness, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, relational, economical, work-related, loss, death, strife. These are battles. And it's really crazy for the Christian to think that just because they're a Christian, they don't have to face any more battles. That's the biggest lie. Because if you believe that, once you start living life, even though you're a Christian and filled with the Holy Spirit, and you start to face a battle, and you see the enemy raging against you, it's a wake-up call. <laughs> Battles. And if you haven't faced a horrible battle, a jaw-dropping battle, you will. You will. And especially if you call yourself a believer... That means that the blood of Jesus have covered your sins 
And the Savior, Jesus Christ, makes his residence in your life through the Holy Spirit. Sets you apart. Sets you free from death, sin, hell, and the grave. And fills you with the Holy Spirit to live a life in the new creation that God has designed you. If that's you, the enemy hates your guts. People who don't know God are not a threat to Satan. They are right where he wants them. But people who have come alive in Christ Jesus are a threat against the kingdom of darkness. You have a target on your back. And so today, I want to teach you and give you keys for facing battles in your life. Keys for facing battles in your life. Every battle you face, you can use these keys, and I promise you, it will lead you to victory every time. I didn't say it will take the battle away. I didn't say God will just deliver you from your pain. I said God will lead you to victory every time. And so I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles or your, uh, your Bible app to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Chapter 19. Oh, I love the turning of pages. I have my Bible written down here in my, uh, in my notes. So we're going to read this together. This is honestly for about 21 years now. This is by far my top, one of my top favorite and most impactful passages of the entire Bible. I'm surprised I haven't preached on it more because this has truly changed my perspective of worship of why we are a movement of worship. This is why. Because you can't fight your battles properly without worship. Without worship, you're sunk. You're screwed. Without God. And worship is what activates God. Worship is what engages us with God. And so we're going to do this a little different today. We're going to read almost every verse, and I'm going to stop here and there to make a point or to give you a thought. And then at the very end, we're going to wrap it up with four keys for the battle. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, thank you. just want to make sure you're still awake. I just have gotten started. That's a great name. Don't usually name your kid Jehoshaphat. They may call him fatty. I don't know. But kidding. Just joking. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. He was on, he was on a pilgrimage with other kings, pagan kings, and uh, he did not do exactly what the Lord had told him to. So that's a little backstory here as he returns to rule in Jerusalem and Judah. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, which is like a prophet, an elder, went out to meet him and said, King Jehoshaphat, yo, Jeho, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, the wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. That is not a good message to receive from anybody who hears from God. That is not a word, a prophecy you want to hear. And so often kings and rulers hear that word from God and it stops there. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there because God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and rich in love. And all he needs is someone with just a little bit of ounce to desire to seek God. That's all he's looking for. And this is what Hen and I said. He said, nevertheless, some good is found in you. For you destroyed the Asheroth 
out of the land. It's pagan gods. It's like a pole uh, and a, a, an altar to pagan gods. And you have set your heart to seek God. You have set your heart to seek God. So number one, from these two, three verses we see is when you do not do everything the Lord tells you to do, it's called disobedience and sin. And what does it lead to? It leads to the consequences from that sin. We're always so quick to blame God for what happens to us. But a lot of it is we're living in a sinful, broken, cursed world. And we live in the results of that. However, God is gracious and compassionate. He is merciful. He's not slow to anger, and he's patient, wanting everyone to turn their hearts to seek him. And so we see it again and again in this passage that King Jehoshaphat did one thing right that led to everything else we're going to see. And that was he set his heart to seek God. Where are you in life right now? Where is your heart set on? Is it the things of this world? Is it the schedules for kids? Is it the problems that we face from day to day? Or is it on the king of heaven who rules and orchestrates everything? You see, the key to facing every battle that comes your way is to set your heart to seek God. You do it. Just like you set the thermostat in your home, you set the thermostat of your heart of what it pursues and what it desires and what it consumes. That's your responsibility. And the results are God's responsibility. Set your heart to seek God. Set your heart to seek God. What does this look like? Well, in Hebrews 11, it says this, 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without, say it, faith. Faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely say those last two words. Without faith. It's impossible to seek God and please God. You also see this in Matthew 6.33. Just write that down. Jot that down. It says, seek first. Jesus is talking about the worries and the cares of, the life, of this life. And he says, stop worrying. It's driving you crazy. And by the way, it's focusing you on setting your heart on the worries and cares and anxieties of today. It's not allowing you to set your heart on God. And so he says, stop it. Seek first God and his righteousness and everything else God knows you need, will be given in his perfect time. We also see this in Jeremiah 29, verse 12. Seek the Lord with your whole heart, and he will be found by you. That is a promise from God himself. Set your heart to seek God. Let's go on with verse 5. So Jehoshaphat set out to seek God. When you seek God, you start to desire and do the things that pleases God. He appointed judges in the land, in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, consider what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. 
He is with you, giving you judgment. Verse 8, we're going to skip verse 7. Moreover, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites and priests. These were the ones set apart, the sons of Aaron, who was with Moses. These Levites were priests set apart for worship, for praise, and for ministering to God on behalf of the people. And so Jehoshaphat went out, appointed certain Levites and priests and heads of families of Israel to give judgment for the Lord and to decide disputed cases. They, they had their seat at Jerusalem. And he charged them, listen here, thus you shall do all of these things in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. When you set your heart to seek God, you will desire and begin to do the things of God. Why? When you seek God, you will start to fear the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, you will begin to continue in faithfulness in what he's asked you to do. Some of you have never had a proper definition of the fear of the Lord. Many of you think it's just we have to be terrified of this punishment punisher of a God, that the moment my dad grew up thinking that if he was in the movie theater watching Bambi and the Lord took his life there, he would not make it to heaven because he was in a worldly place. We're so skewed when it comes to the fear of the Lord. And so I want to give you a of the fear of the Lord so that we're not confused. His, that causes you to tremble in the cavity of your soul. When you realize all the power and might of this entire universe rest within the fingertips of Jehovah. When you realize that planet Earth on its axis, if, if it was just jolted, not even a centimeter or a millimeter, this earth would stop existing as we know it. God is fully in control. He is a God of wrath towards sin, but he is a God of righteousness and holiness and perfection. It should draw us to our knees. We are not God. He is. And he has the final say. So it's an understanding of God's power and glory that causes us to tremble in the cavity of our soul that then leads us to respect God in a way that in biblical times where servants feared their master and served them faithfully. Living in fear of the Lord also guides us into of God's greatness. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not a horrifying, frightening haunted house kind of fear. It is a reverent, trembling heart at the power and the glory, the splendor, the majesty of the king of the world. That's the fear of the Lord. When you start to live in the fear of the Lord, you start to set your hearts to seek God. And when you set your heart to seek God, you will begin to desire and do the things of God and be faithful in all that he has for you to do. Verse, now we're going to move to um, chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. Chapter 20, so go to the next chapter, verses 1 through 4. After this, say after this. this. Say it one more time. Thank you so much. The Moabites and Ammonites and with some of them, the Mennonites and come against Jehoshaphat for battle. There's a lot of armies coming against one army. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. From beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And I'm going to stop there, because if you're tracking with me right now, 
I want to say this. Just as King Jehoshaphat led his people to seek God, to live in the fear of the Lord and faithfully serve him. After you do that, guess what you can expect? An attack. Every time. Every time. The enemy hates your guts. And the moment you seek the Lord is the moment when you threaten the kingdom of darkness. When you start to serve the Lord, you know this. This has happened to you. You start to get engaged in church and get involved. And you start to read your Bible and you start to change. And what happens? You get attacked. You lose your job. Your marriage, you start to get irritable with each other and, and, and things from the past start coming up. And things, people start saying things about you. And rumors start flying. Guys, when you start to seek God, the enemy will rage against you. You should rejoice because that is a sign that you are in the right place. If you're not experiencing battles, I would, friend, I would seek the Lord. If you're not seeking friction, and resistance to what you're doing in your life, I would test the waters and ask the Lord what he desires for and from you. After, after you seek him, after you start to walk in fear and faithfulness, the enemy will attack. A great multitude will come against you. How many of you just as testifying can say, I've been there, I've been there, yeah. So let's look at verse three now. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And our first response often is, Jehoshaphat, you idiot, why are you afraid? No, 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 be careful. Be careful, because being afraid in and of itself is not wrong. It is a human emotion. What you do with that human emotion changes everything. Do you walk in that fear? Do you acknowledge and accept that fear? Or do you put the fear in its place? This is so important because we have churches that teach that you just can't be afraid of anything, that that is a sign of weakness and that is a sign of unbelief. False, black bear. No, it's not. What you do with being afraid is what matters. So let's look and see what King Jehoshaphat did when he was afraid. You tell me when you hear that armies, tens of thousands of armies are coming against you, that you're not going to have the first reaction of being afraid. Maybe you're better than me because I would be trembling in my cowboy boots. What does he do? Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled all of them to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Friends, don't miss this. When the end happened, you may have a reaction of fear. But friends, if you set your face, not in fear, but you set your face to seek the Lord, that's where the battle is won. It's already won. You got to seek him in the midst of fear. Something that the modern day church doesn't do a whole lot is fasting. 
Could that be why the modern-day church isn't growing? Fasting is all about hitting the stop button on life, putting everything to rest, and putting your full dependence on God. And when a great multitude comes against you, that will cause you to drop everything and fast to seek God. Are you facing a battle where you need to stop and seek the face of God even to the degree of fasting? If you're saying this battle is messing with your world and you don't have the strength to make it and you don't know how without God it is going to come through for you, then that is a sign that you might need to fast and seek God with everything you have. There's another component here that I don't want us to miss. They gathered the church together. They gathered people together to seek God together. We need each other. Sunday is not just about you getting your needs met. It is about you praying with and for other believers and family members who are in the barracks and the battlefield themselves. You need them as much as they need you. And so when we come on Sunday mornings, this is not about hands in pocket time to time and just watching our watch and looking at the lyrics on the screen. This is about fighting our battles. This is about raging war on the enemy. This is about worshiping King Jesus and watching the enemies get destroyed. What is church to you? Align it to that definition. Man, if we came every Sunday like a battle was raging and we set all distractions aside to worship God and to actually maybe be available to help someone else and to love them rather than just rush out the door. Yeah, I'm preaching to me too. And guess what, friends? I am the lead pastor of this church. I do have a salary here. This is my profession. But I need you just as much as you need me. I have battles that I face that I can't just go on Facebook and say, hey, everybody, look, I'm going through this. But I need you. And when the Lord puts you on, when the Lord puts me on your heart, there's a reason. And when the Lord puts you on my heart, there's a reason. We're called to battle together. So they sought out the Lord, Lord verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, oh, Lord God, our fathers. Can you just even see him? These thousands of people literally with tears, weeping in fear that if God doesn't show up, their lives are done. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Oh, Lord, God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hands are power and might. Friends, this is an example of prayer. If you don't know the words to pray, when you're in a battle for the fight of your life, you're not thinking of words to pray. You just let God have it. And you tell him, I cannot do this, God. I don't know why this is happening, but I need you. And I trust you no matter what the outcome is. This is what Jehoshaphat is doing. He says, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of the land before our people? He's reminding the people and he's reminding God of his promises. 
and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And we will cry out to you in our affliction. Who do you cry out to in your affliction? It will show you where your heart is. And you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came up from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. What I want you to do is I want you to go back to verse 10. And I want you to fill in the blank. Who is your armies of Ammon? Who's your Moab? Who are the enemies of Mount Seir? Is it cancer? Is it pain and infirmity? Is it false accusation? Is it lies? Is it a broken relationship? Is it family strife? Is it a death in the family that you still can't seem to conquer and move forward? Is it loss of job? What is it? Identify your armies of enemies. Identify them, expose them, and give them to the Lord. We often, we just try to avoid it, ignore it, go in fetal position, and act like they're not there. They're there. The battle is real. Bring it to the Lord. And here is the most famous words of this story. And I've said this all this week, God, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. Have you ever felt powerless? Are you in a place right now where you are powerless? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are fixed on you. That is the most incredible key to your battles. You don't have to know what to do. You're not supposed to know what to do all the time. You're supposed to know who to fix your eyes on. That is a prayer that God delights to hear and answer. Could we read that together where we say, we do not know what to do. Let's read it together. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And now I want you to read that silently to yourself. That is your prayer when you face battles in your life. That is what it looks like to seek the face of God. Almost done. Verse 13 to 23. Now I'm going to go really fast. There's a lot to cover, but watch what God does. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, and the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, it's very much in the Old Testament. Don't believe anyone who says like uh, differently. The Holy Spirit shows up. Friends, when you seek God, the Holy Spirit is on his way. He is with you. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Je Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, and Je Jael, son of Mataniah, and a Levite of the sons, I did not go to seminary, thank God, of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, Holy Spirit has come upon me. Listen, all Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed of your enemy. 
for the battle is not yours, but God's. Yeah, please. Tomorrow, go down against him. Did you notice he didn't say, don't fight? Don't go into the battle. I got it. No, he says, the battle's mine, but you must enter the battlefield. We have a part to play. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. Uh, as- ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go against them and the Lord will be with you. This is one instance in the Bible that the Lord called them to do nothing but show up. There are going to be battles in your life when you seek the Lord. He says, I got this. Just show up. In other instances in the Bible, we see God calls them to fight in the strength and the power of his might. As long as Moses' arms were up towards heaven, the Israelites won, but they had to fight. So no matter the circumstance of the battle, whether you have to fight or whether you have to just watch God, work on your behalf, you still have to show up. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. (laughs) Do you know what that looks like? Let me show you. this posture where God knows you are his when you can let go of everything and let God be God he bowed his head and he said this they stood up they worshiped God they praised the Lord with a very loud voice Before the battle even started, they sang and worshiped. This puts the church in America to shame. That's all I'm going to say about that. Verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants, of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe the prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those. He appointed those who were to sing. Say sing. Sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and they said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That is how you fight your battles. That is how you fight. This ridiculous, foolish king sent the people with no weapons in the battle first. Oh, but they had a spiritual weapon called praise. Worship team, I'm almost there. I apologize, I'm running a little long. And so, when they began to sing and pray, say, when they began. When they began. I want to bring this together. After you seek God, the enemy attacks. And before the battle begins, we worship. After we seek the heart of God, the enemy wants to attack. But then we begin to sing. And after we begin to worship, 
the Lord moves. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who come against them so that they were routed. For, for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. They destroyed one another as they worshiped the enemy, killed each other. And so, friends, I want to wrap this up with four simple keys to worship. Band, you can come on up. Please don't disengage. The first key is when the battle rages in your life, seek God with everything within you. Stop whatever you're doing. Shift your schedules and your priorities to align to seek God. Where you run for help matters. We see in the Psalms and Proverbs say, God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. Ask others to join you in prayer. Seek a day to fast. Seek a meal to fast and pray. Let me ask you, how desperate for God are you in your battles? I want to call us to put our faith where our mouths are. And I want us to show up this Wednesday if you don't have anything going on. And some of you need to be here more than what you have scheduled. I want you to join me this Wednesday at 6 o'clock all the way till 8 o'clock. And you can come at 7.30 if that's when you can come. You can come at 6 and leave at 6.30. I'm asking you to fast a meal or more on Wednesday. And I want you to come and we're going to get in the posture of surrender and pray. For anyone who's facing a battle right now, you need to be here. Anyone who doesn't know what you're to do, but you know you need God, be here this Wednesday and pray. If you can't be here, set aside a two-hour window to leave your phone somewhere else and go and be with God. Number two, when the waves of fear and trouble rise, we must get lower. When the enemy rises, we go down and allow the Lord to fight our battles. Number three, instead of looking to the storm around you, instead of scrolling constantly through Facebook and all the different details and accusations against you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The battle belongs to him and he will fight on your behalf if you are seeking his face. God, I don't know what to do but my eyes are on you. For the Christian today, for the believer today, the victory flag, friends, of every single battle we have fought and faced and every single battle we will face, that vic victory flag was staked in the ground of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. That's why each of our battles must start at the cross and must finish at the cross. Can I get an amen? Every battle must start at the cross and end at the cross. And finally, your worship is a launching pad for God's power and deliverance. You are here not by mistake. And I've asked the band, I'm sorry for time's sake, but I've asked the band to do an extended time of worship in this half because I believe 
the Lord put this message on my heart for people to wake up, for people who are struggling in over their heads in the battles that they're facing, where you just need to stop and sing. You need to stop and drop. You need to stop and surrender and start declaring the victory before the battle ever was finished. But you need to worship, friends. You need to praise. You need to activate your faith. And so we're gonna do that. So could we all stand? This battle that you're facing belongs to the Lord. And so whatever battle you are in right now, I want you to lay it at God's feet. I want you to surrender it to God. I encourage you to seek his face. And when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you lift that surrender flag and you start to praise God for the victory before it even comes. So I want to give you permission today in your homes, in your car, wherever you're watching this, wherever you're listening to this, right here. Don't miss this moment, friends, to worship. This altar is open. If you want to come and worship, if you want to come and dance over your battle, come dance over your battle. If you want prayer, there will be prayer teams in the corners. Friends, don't miss this opportunity to say, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Take it away, team. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.